Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm one of your hosts today, Margaret Kiljoy, and also with me is Cassandra. How are you doing, Cassandra? Pretty good. Today's episode is an episode that a lot of people have been requesting, which is, what is anarchism? This thing that we keep talking about on this show. And how should you talk about it with other people? Or I don't know, whatever. It's a what is anarchism? And with us today as a guest is the author, Cindy Milstein. And I think that you all will hopefully get a lot out of this conversation. But first, this podcast is a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of Anarchist Podcasts. And here's a jingle from another show on the network. I know the kind of pain you're feeling, Alex. I once had it myself. You some kind of doctor? No, Alex. I am Magneto, and I have come to offer you sanctuary. Hello, you can, this you can is our jingle any, for any our money. podcast, The Grounded Future Show. This is the show where we discuss topics <laughs> ranging from climate change to identity, to how youth can gain new skills you, to thrive amid current and ongoing disasters that we are collectively facing. We are your hosts, one Gen Z Liam and one Gen X Carla. And we think we all deserve to thrive now and not in some distant utopian future. Yeah, but that's in the future. Oh, I hate the future. Yeah, we're with Bolin. Grounded Futures is a larger project. So check that out over at groundedfutures.com. Hi, Melstein. <laughs> um, if you could introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns, and just a little bit of background about why you're talking with us today. Yeah. Hi to both of you. Um, my name is uh, Cindy Burch Milstein, and I use they. And I'm talking to you two who are both part of uh, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness Publishing Collective. And you are about to uh, put out my your first book and <laughs> my um, somewhere in a bunch of books <laughs> that I've done called Try Anarchism for Life. But yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited. I think uh, it's actually in the mail to me now, the real copy. So I'm very excited to see it. That's that's handy that you authored a book about anarchism and we want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> anarchism. <laughs> Whoa, coincidence, good coincidence. <laughs> Wait, are you an anarchist? Uh, time will tell time will tell <laughs> is that like a we all aspire to this thing yeah oh. this was, that was going to be one of my answers to what anarchism is <laughs> we're like that you know a, a friend of mine was uh, talking about uh recently how um they're from greece and how people don't actually they, I, I forget the whole anecdote, but anyway, <laughs> that you can't say you're something until after your life is over, then people can say it about you. So, oh, I hope, interesting. I, you know, because we're wow. all, we all really are aspiring to be an anarchist, I hope. And, and yeah, I guess I do use that label. And it's on the title of some of my books. So. <laughs> okay. Well, that leads us into the first question, which is a question that I get a lot, that you might get a lot which a lot of listeners of the show have. Milstein, what is anarchism? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Joking ahead of time that if I, I, I'm Jewish, if you ask one Jew, they have two opinions. But if you ask anarchists, we probably have even more. And if you're Jewish anarchists, thousands. So I guess I was thinking about this. There's so many ways to describe anarchism, but 
lately I've really been thinking about it as like life, how we make life in common, life in care, and do that in collective ways through self-determination, self-organization, self-governance, because most of what we're facing that is not anarchism are different forms of death machines. So yeah, lately I've been thinking about what does that, you know, what does that mean to be staunchly in not not just an advocate of but like actually actively engaging in forms of, of bringing and accentuating life but yeah i guess the other ways people or i describe anarchism often is a compass or sort of a horizon made up of a bunch of ethics which you often highlight on the show through various practices of like mutual aid and solidarity and um yeah, collective care and all sorts of other nice, warm and fuzzy ways we um, do good in this world or try to create better worlds. But yeah, I guess the nutshell other version I would say is to me, anarchism is both the absence and presence and an absence of all forms of hierarchy and domination or striving to lessen mm-hmm. them as much as possible. But it's no good unless there's a presence of something to fill in those absences. Like, I don't know. Anarchism isn't just like, we hate everything. Let's like, you know, chaos, capitalism, <laughs> patriarchy, chaos, you know, whatever. Um, and, um, but what is the presence of what we want? And that's actually for me where anarchism really shines. Mm-hmm. It's as a philosophy and practice of freedom and liberation and liberatory practices of all sorts. So I really like to think about that part of anarchism. And, and so therefore, the, that means that anarchism as a practice, which to me is, embodies the whole of your life every second of the day, um, is um, constantly juggling tensions and between you know, what we don't like and what we do and what we want to destroy and what we want to create. Or um, in a way, the, the core tension in anarchism is how do you, um, you know, create this beautiful societies and worlds based upon kind of balancing out freedom for each of ourselves and freedom collectively. And, and that's hard. That isn't easy, you know, but like, that's what anarchism isn't. It's not like we just want people to be free and do their own thing, which to me is capitalism or liberalism or all these other things like, fuck you, I'm going to do my own thing. But anarchism is like, no, you know, I should be able to become who I want to be, but I can only do that if you can do that too. And how we do that together is where it gets fun. And to me, that's what, you know, a lot of what anarchism is about, that that presence of all we do. So I don't know. What do you two think? I mean, okay, one of the things that you touched on, I actually do, I would define anarchism as this like striving for freedom, but I would, I, I define freedom a little bit differently than, well, certainly liberalism or capitalism would. Uh, you know, my, my argument being we're not free if we like live alone in the woods. I tried it, actually. Um, I still had a society to fall <laughs> back on. But but, you know, <laughs> freedom is like not just the individual in a state of nature it, it, or whatever. Freedom is is something that we create and build cooperatively with each other because freedom is the ability to like maximize my own agency and act in, in the ways that I would like to the most or whatever, right? We can create that with each other. And re- I, I basically, I make the argument that freedom is a... Uh, a relationship between people rather than a, a static state for an individual. And so I, I do believe in maximizing freedom in that I believe in creating relationships of freedom between people. And I really like, and I don't remember who said it, um, I, I think I'm kind of paraphrasing it from Ursula Le Guin, that 
anarchism is about the marriage of freedom and responsibility that basically we need to all be as responsible to each other as possible so that we can maximize all of our our freedom and so that's like kind of what i set out to do as an anarchist is create these relationships of freedom but i I guess i would say like if i'm talking to someone who is like well what is anarchism I, i think at its like core it's like simplest is you know yeah like as you said you know or like people trying to live in a world without oppressive hierarchies right you know traditionally in the sort of western philosophical tradition that anarchism is most often reflected through you have basically the idea of like it comes out of an anti-capitalist movement it comes out of a a movement against capitalism and they said well also the state you know they were like the state and capitalism are intrinsically linked we are opposed to all of them or both of these constructs and then people very quickly took it from there to be like and also patriarchy and also white supremacy and also all of these like systemic institutions of oppression and you know anarchism is the movement against those things but has as you talked about always been tied into for most people also a sort of positive positive vision a the creation of a society without these things as a as a desired thing to move towards yeah no thanks for feeling i was i was thinking when you were speaking it's like so much of anarchism to me is it's like, isn't a yeah. fixed thing. <laughs> so maybe that's why I like the idea of a horizon or a comp, like you're always kind of walking toward this beautiful thing, but you're never actually going to quite get there. Not, you know, like you're never, you can see it, but you can never fully, but so it's this process. And um, you know, one other thing I, I, when you were speaking, I was reminded of as often I talk about anarchism is like us together, figuring out different forms of social organization and different mm-hmm. forms of social um, relationships that emphasize, you know, freedom and liberation and that it's impossible without the social (laughs) you know like we 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 are social creatures we can't possibly do this alone but i thought anarchism was about chaos you mean anarchists are organized (laughs) (laughs) sometimes we spend too much of our time (laughs) on organization trying to organize trying to organize Yeah. yeah 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 Yeah, another way, another way, I think that's why I like tensions, because another tension to me is the tension between sort of, you know, freedom and spontaneity, or how do we, you know, like, in a way, maybe it's playfully in the, in the, like, the word anarchism and anarchy, you know, you can't, anarchism's like, we can make, we can try to figure out ways to, like, create, you know, neighborhood assemblies and um, info shops and mutual aid societies and all these other things, and then Woo, there's all this fun, spontane- spontaneous chaos and play and joy that happens that we never even thought of and that we actually balance both those things. We're not, you know, just, um, yeah. An- anarchism is like, I also think of anarchism as like being really dynamic and flexible and open and kind of like, oh, that's a cool new idea. Let's try that, <laughs> you know, so. Um, yeah. Which is versus like a lot of things like borders. No, this is the line in the sand or a state. No, you have to do that. You know, it's really different. I feel like uh, one of my favorite things about anarchism is that there are different ways to do anarchism. And that seems like counterintuitive still, even to a lot of anarchists. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about like, I don't know, Twitter anarchists. (laughs) There's only one way to do this. (laughs) Yeah. The idea that we're like going to find the, the one right way is inherently broken. And I really like the, you know, the quote from the anarchist adjacent, but not anarchistic or not, not anarchist Zapatistas that 
you know, a world in which many worlds are possible is, is the goal. Um, yeah. And I like that it's, it's not about coming up with easy answers or providing easy answers to people, which is actually, I mean, it certainly limits our recruitment because we're, we can't just be like, oh, well here we have the answer. Anarchism is the answer. Anarchism is said as like a system by which to come up with answers collectively amongst people. You know, it's like a, it's much easier to tell people what to do than to tell people to become free thinking individuals who work things out with each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like uh, maybe the emphasis on like experiments and processes and us together. And what you, the way you used answers is plural is, you know, most other sort of forms of, yeah, like politically engaging, first of all, are limited to like one sphere of your life. But, you know, anarchism was like, how can we make the whole of our, of our lives feel whole? And, but to, to do that, there isn't like one way to do things. And so, you know, actually when people get the more, I just find this time and time again, it always is so beautiful. It's like the more people you get together, the more incredibly beautiful creative solutions you have or ideas or experiments. And you can actually try multiple ones of them at once. <laughs> and that makes for this kind of beautiful ecosystem, which is maybe another thing we didn't talk about anarchism. I think it's very like ecological in not in the sense of necessarily like, you know, environmentalism or making things, you know, but like very holistic and understands things in ways like complicated ecosystems where it's okay for difference to coexist in an ecosystem. And actually that makes us more resilient and stronger. It's like some of the most, like I love walking and, you know, observing the world. And when you walk around and just see some of the most like, you know, sort of, ecosystems that are thriving they're thriving because there's multiple different types of plants and animals and species and you know engagements and interactions and experiments going on and, and they all shift and change through that so yeah, how can we think of how can we think of that so i mean often when people think about anarchism they're like oh anar what kind of anarchist are you and you know i'm a feminist anarchist or a queer anarchist or a jewish anarchist or a, you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and like that that's like some sort of problem in anarchism and mm -hmm. i think we're just actually trying to articulate that freedom and and th that ecosystem has to has to bring in the fullness of who we are and the fullness of who we are isn't the sa always the same and it's that beautiful kind of interplay between what we care about in our own lives and our own you know experiences and identities and yeah yeah so I'm just kind of rambling, but I don't know. I, I lately I've also just been thinking a lot about the anarchist ecosystem and that actually, actually, you know, and I mean, so much of, you know, like white Christian supremacy homogenizes everything from calendars to, you know, time to how we make decisions to, you know, capitalism gives you the same, you know, type of, you know, hamburger or coffee, no matter where you are in the world, if you know, if it, it's trying to like flatten out everything or actually destroy all sorts of foods. So all we think of is certain foods, you know, and most like large scale forms of hierarchy and domination to succeed, they, they flatten. I mean, we're looking at, you know, fascism, unfortunately appearing in a lot of parts of the globe right now. And it's all about in essence, creating this like pure identity that's homogeneous identity that should be able to survive while the rest of us should be killed off. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I mean, ultimately fascism, if it ever fully succeeded in instituting itself would die because there's no possible way any kind of ecosystem can exist if it has only has one 
pure sort of <laughs> being. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I think about um, the, the anarchist comic book author, Alan Moore, it makes this argument that the primary axis of politics in this world is not communism versus capitalism. It's not left versus right. It's, uh, it's fascism versus anarchism mm. as, you know, mm-hmm. these two opposing concepts and, and what you're talking about, about fascism is the making everything the same in order to be strong. And then anarchism is about like c- celebrating difference and creating a diversity as strength, you know, rather than like yeah. just unity as strength in this sort of fascistic context. Yeah. Or again, life. I mean, fascism, it's, it has to engage in genocide because there's no other way to get rid of all those things that aren't the one pure, right. You know, yeah. sort of body or, and, and, and we're like, you know, okay, we have to try to like, bring forward life in, in a sense. And I, I guess one thing when you were speaking, I was also thinking about with anarchism, it's always hard to sort of explain well, what is anarchism is like, sure. Some people came up with the, like a word and applied it to, you know, a specific political philosophy at a specific time period in history. And those people that became anarchists loved to travel and they wandered around the world and they, you know, convinced other, you know, through inspiring other people, a lot of people became anarchists, but anarchism is, is, is really this tendency of life unfolding and when you get to the social realm it's of people together unfolding that life together um, to create different forms of social relationships that allow people to live in more cooperative um, mutualistic mutually interdependent and co-responsible ways you know all the things you know solidaristic caring all the many ethics we can throw in but humans have been doing that since the beginning of time <laughs> and continue to do that and when we look at, you know, uprisings that have happened recently, whether it's, you know, in Iran or the George Floyd uprising, or we could name hundreds and hundreds of others, small scale and large scale during the pandemic, which is still ongoing when, you know, people formed all sorts of projects in small scale and larger scale forms of solidarity and mutual aid to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, that's anarchistic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, I particularly don't really care to turn everybody into an anarchist or to have everybody even say, well, I'm, this is about anarchism. It's like we, I think that's like Zapat, Zapatistas are also super influential to me. And they, they also are like, no, we look for all the places in which we can listen to each other and hear the way we're all engaging and, and watch each other and share with each other and borrow from each other and all the ways that we're engaging and creating that life and not worry about the labels, worry about, and, and, and celebrate <laughs> um, those places where people are like throwing off hierarchy and domination, but not just throwing that off, but making their own lives together and going, this is what we want our lives to be. Mm-hmm. I really think that's what's so powerful about these moments. It's like, you know, the uprisings, you know, the, all the hierarchical structures will say, oh, they don't know what they want. They're just angry. They're just ripping things down. They're just destroying things. And any of us who've been in these moments or have mm-hmm. done a mutual aid project with anyone <laughs> or done anything large or small, you know, that's not sure. We're like, you know, a window gets broken or, you know, someone takes the food out of a little library and instead puts some, or books at a little library instead of puts, you know, masks or food during a pandemic. We, but what you realize is people are creating different forms of social relationships that are around love and care and beauty. And they're sharing with each other and they're acting in profound forms of solidarity. Um, I listen, 
I listened to this um, beautiful piece recently. It was talking about the George Floyd uprising and how in the first, especially few days, it's like it was the most like counter to all the sort of conquer and divide around race politics in the United States moment because suddenly people and, and all sorts of other things, class, gender, age, all these people were acting in this beautiful concert sharing and helping each other get away from cops, but also sharing food and knowledge and joy and painting murals. And, you know, when the, I, I really remember when Unicorn Riot, which is a great like anarchistic news media project, when they were up close filming the precinct being burned down, they walked in and go, oh, these people are destroying the priest, third precinct police station. They walked in with their camera and you're inside watching people trash the place and, you know, <laughs> it being set on fire. And then people's faces were joyous. And people walked outside and had a party, basically. And I was like watching that live and going, this is why we revolt. You know, we revolt. Why we just, quote, destroy things, destroy police stations that kill people or, you know, yeah. status structures that are, all these things. We're not destroying the our lives. <laughs> we're actually, but that we do it so we can have that joy with each other. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm rambling now, but I just, I feel like that's, thing that gets so lost but all of us that are part of these moments know it and we have to like anarchism asks you this is a really i think a really powerful thing to trust in yourselves and those around you to know we can do this and you know there's nothing we have except sort of the trust of the things we promise each other in anarchism there's no you know police force or you know bureaucracy or anything else there's just this profound deep promise and trust in each other and we actually know that when we do it, we feel it. It feels different. It feels like life. It feels like love. We've we've talked about that some um, in terms of community preparedness. When we're talking about things like natural disasters, and my understanding is that they're realizing that when these giant catastrophes happen, whether it's like a social catastrophe or a natural disaster or something, um, people tend to band together and work together and help each other in larger degree. It's almost like. It's like a natural way for us to be or something. <laughs> With the exception of the elites, right? You get that elite panic thing. If you have, um, I, I hate using the word elites, but it's in the name of, it, no, it's, it's in the name of the like, <laughs> the people who have power within a society sure. are the people who don't band together in times of crisis and instead try to like violently enforce the status quo. Um, and disaster studies stuff talks about that. That's the yeah. name they use. Yeah. <laughs> of course they <laughs> do. I, I feel like I feel like what's so what's so sad is that we have you know like I hope that as an anarchist I really hope we don't like be like oh romanticize disaster as the places that this happens yeah and, you know disasters are happening to us we are we we want to create a society and where yeah mm-hmm. those moments show us that but then we're like wow we can do this all the time we don't have to just do this although well, disasters pretty much in disaster yeah, yeah. disaster yeah, constantly so i don't you know we're in, we're in disaster always but i don't know i don't also want to romanticize oh it feels so great that we have this horrible you know fascism is getting worse so it's great we're actually <laughs> helping each other like you know provide community self-defense in these wonderful ways you know it's like <sighs> all that does is point to i mean you know the point to the sort of anarchistic dream of you know autonomous communities or liberated zones or all these places in which we would still have arguments and we would still you know have behaviors that would harm us and antisocial behaviors but they would be I guess I guess the other thing I want to see you know is whenever you do these experiments that are anarchistic 
things still happen that don't feel great, but they happen to such a lesser degree. And we have so many more beautiful ways of dealing with them that aren't about prisons and police. And, yeah. or we try to, at least, you know, we aspire to that again, like going back to the beginning is like, everyone's like, Oh, you know, you have all these like abolitionist ways of dealing with conflict, but yet we're not good at it. And I was like, well, how would we be? We've been raised in this culture for, you know, hundreds of years now at this point, uh, sadly, of, um, uh, you know, police and, until we're a few generations, which again, keep pointing to Zapatistas because I think they've been around long enough to begin to be able to show us this, is that, you know, their children and their children's children, I think they're now in their, probably a grandchildren, mm-hmm. you know, that have come out of that, that have lived in autonomous communities, is each new generation is, is more able to do it better, mm-hmm. you know, which is why in a lot of diasporic and long, long time traditions that way precede, you know, states and capitalism and a whole bunch of things. A lot of times the numbers like seven is really prominent. Um, and we think of, you know, some indigenous cultures talk about seven generations, but mm. in Jewish, there's a lot of looking back to seven, like cycles of seven um, and that it may take, you know, seven generations to be able to actually forget like, sort of erase the the socialization of how, you know, and, and learn better ways to do this. So we're not instantly going to have, I just want to emphasize, you know, anarchism is about, oh, great, everything's wonderful now. It's just about, we're going to do things a lot better and more and better and better still, the longer we can hold and sustain these spaces of possibility. Yeah. I want to ask a question for each of us, which is, how did you become an anarchist or how did you realize you were an anarchist or however you choose to define that? I don't know who wants to go first. It looks like Milstein. What are you two? All right, I'll go first. Uh, can't see, but Cassandra opted out by putting their finger on the nose. <laughs> uh, my, my story is very like pithy, um, but also true, which was that, you know, when I was like, when I was a teenager, I was not excited about any of the political options that were presented to me. I had this like brief moment where I was a libertarian because I took a quiz online and it said, and it had been made by the Libertarian Party. And it was like, well, do you like freedom? You must be a libertarian. And my like communist girlfriend was like, no, corporations would run everything. And I was like, okay, well, that's true. But I don't want to be a communist as I understood it at that time, meaning like a state communist or whatever, right? And still don't. And so I just kind of didn't care about politics. I was like vaguely social Democrat. And then I went to this protest in New York City on February 2nd, 2002. It's part of the, you know, it's called the ultra globalization movement or whatever. And and the anarchists were like wearing masks despite a mask ban in New York City. And I was like, that's cool, right? And I didn't know anything about anarchists except that they were willing to wear masks despite being told they weren't allowed. And I was like, that rules. So I went up to this kid wearing a mask and I was like, hey, and I'm 19 or something. Well, I not or something. I was 19. And I said, <laughs> hey, what's this anarchism thing? And he's like, well, we hate the state and capitalism. And I was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And he's like, well, we're going to build up alternative institutions while attacking the ones that are destroying the world. And I was like, well, do you have an extra mask? And he was like, yeah. And he gave me a black bandana and I tied it around my face and I became an anarchist. And I've not really looked back. I... <laughs> That's the initiation is donning a black bandana. Yeah. And like, you know, that day I got like rounded, I got kettled and I spent like, I don't know, 
five hours or something with like 10 of us surrounded by like fucking 20 cops or whatever. And, you know, and it was like this very uh, powerful moment in my life. And then it, it took me a long time to sort of like become part of the sort of anarchist scene or mail mail you or whatever. But from, from that day forth, it was, I called myself an anarchist. My story is less exciting. I've had a really conservative, really religious upbringing to the extent that I like went to seminary and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I turned 18, it was the first time I could vote and the discrepancies I was seeing between how we were told to vote and what we were taught was theologically sound was too much for me. <laughs> so I left. <laughs> and like the deconstruction of like those things I was raised with and my concept of authority, the natural progression was just becoming an anarchist. It also helped that crime think was based out of my hometown. So I like lived and worked at the crime think house for a while and got, you know, exposed to all sorts of baby anarchist ideas through that. Oh, <laughs> I love hearing anarchists. How, how, I love hearing stories because they're all different. Yeah. Great. I don't know. Yeah. 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 There never isn't a form. Yeah. For a while I was like, oh, there must be a formula to this. So I'd ask people, <laughs> how did you become it? But now there, nope. there, which is actually, yeah, another, it's great. <laughs> how about you? Yeah. yeah. I feel like there was preconditions that made me like sort of what you were talking about, Margaret, that made me like, kind of looking for anarchism for so most of my life, including like my parents were like overgrown kids because of their own trauma. And so they made me their parent from the very beginning. So they really let me like self-determine with me and my friends. And we were always creating our own self-organized spaces or going off on adventures, but so were my parents. And so I also had to be learn a lot of responsibility and how to take care of people because otherwise no one else would. So in a way it's like a traumatic response is like, you know, and I think from ancestors, I don't know, I, I more and more believe that there's like ancestral, both trauma and joy that is like, made me understand that like, to sort of be diasporic, to be not tied, you know, you make community where you are with those who are with you and you take care of each other. And this vague notion of like, we, our goal, sort of our aim as humans is to, you know, be as good as we can and try to create as good a world as we can. That just there's all these preconditions that, so I was kind of always looking around going, oh, maybe this political orientation or this group or that group. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. And, and then, you know, and then I met some anarchists in uh, uh, Vermont, Burlington, Vermont, where I was living. And they were like, hey, why don't you read this? And they kept handing me free articles and books. And then they were like, hey, why don't you come to this self-organized cafe where, you know, every things are mostly free, but you can throw in money in a jar if you want. Um, there's events going on or, Hey, why don't you come join us in some of the organizing we're doing? And I just, I, they were just so generous. They kept just gifting me things, you know, and it wasn't like they were asking me to be them or to change or they weren't even, you know, they were just like, I don't, this is kind of my, I guess that's where I come back to the sort of like, like trust and faith and anarchism is like, you don't have to like sell it to people. You can mm-hmm. gift it, you know, and share it. And and then they were like, hey, do you want to come here? Murray Bookshin speak. Um, something called the Institute for Social Ecology that was happening then. And Murray would, Dang. you know, I went to hear him him speak. And 12 hours later after his first talk, because he would just talk <laughs> during this program. Um, and people came from all over the world. So there were anarchists from all over the world sitting in this room. And it was like, wow, they're anarchists. 
and multi-generational, all different ages listening, mm-hmm. you know, and asking him questions and engaging. And I was like, whoa. And then he came up to afterward, my friends introduced me and they go, hey, this is our you know, friend Cindy and Murray. And Murray's like, you know, where do you live? And I go, Burlington. He goes, what's your last name? <laughs> I don't know why I want to. And then he goes, you need to study with me. <laughs> you know? oh, wow. That's amazing. And then he like really like, as he did for many, many people, he's just like, come to my house. And we would like, you know, he lived very, very modestly often in like a studio. And we just like would crowd around this room and just read. And, you know, so I just started with him and anarchists in that community doing organizing and reading and studying and yeah. And also I never looked back from there too. And I think it's because Murray, you know, maybe because we had affinity because we're both like culturally really similar. And But he's like, you know, I want to give you, you know, you have to like think and act for yourself. And I, I'm so shaped by him in a way, you know, he was like, he was so in, so interested in what we would do to re- what we would, how we would replace the state with what, what would we replace capitalism? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what would we, you know, and it's like, and maybe that just, you know, felt like at, I felt at home, I guess is what I mean. You know, the first time I'm like, oh, this is where I should be, you know? So, and then it wasn't, I guess the last thing I want to say is like that, that group and Murray and yeah. And then I started doing the same thing. Oh, but there's a, you know, gigantic, you know, movements going on. And, you know, I was in at that time period then started, you know, going to New York, Montreal, these other places because I love wandering around. And there was all sorts of incredible anarchist organizing and then big movements started and, you know, similar, the alt globalization movement movements where constantly people were like, Hey, read my scene. Hey, do you want this? Hey, do you want that? Hey, do you need water? Hey, do you need a mask? <laughs> and that just generosity of spirit. Like, why would you not want to be around yeah. that? You know? I, yeah. I just feel like it's like, I just feel like more and more, I just into this kind of big social fabric of, which doesn't mean all anarchists have been nice to me or great to each other. It's just like, <laughs> Yeah, it's just overall, it's like far more generous of spirit and yeah. So. Well, that the one of the things that you brought up during that, you know, going to this like multi generational meeting and seeing that there's like anarchists from all over the world. I think one of the things, you know, if the primary target of this particular episode, oh, I, I guess try and do it with every episode of Live Like Doorless Dying, is people who are um, may not know the things that we're coming into it knowing, right? Like, so someone who's listening to this might have only barely heard of anarchists or only seen, I guess what I would kind of say is the sort of the tip of the anarchist iceberg, like the most commonly seen or known elements of anarchism change over time. Uh, I would actually say, I wonder right now if it's not the mutual aid projects. Um, But I think I was going to say that crappy documentary. Oh God. I wasn't even trying to think of it. We could talk about handcaps later. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, like, okay. But of the actual anarchists, I swear. <laughs> the, the, um, there's very, I hate gatekeeping, but there's a certain, anyway. Um, you know, when I was coming up, the tip of the anarchist iceberg was like the black block. You know, people wearing all black and matte. I'm literally wearing a black hoodie as I say this, but uh, <laughs> but I don't have a bandana over my face, but that was part of me becoming an anarchist, I guess. But you know, this this idea of the people who wear all black and break things, right, is like the tip of the anarchist iceberg. And there's this like presumption that people have that is incorrect about all of those people being young, able-bodied, like cis white men, right? It's probably changed enough that some people think that it might there might be some queer folks in there too, right? But this like youthful anger movement is what people know about. And I think that that's... Um, 
well, that's what you know the media presents us as and, and all of these things. But actually finding out that it's this like multi-generational movement and this like multi, like like literally multicultural movement, like different people who are coming from very different like cultural ideas of how they want to live and like how they express themselves, you know, within that is actually the kind of more beautiful part of it. I have nothing against the people, I have nothing against the black bloc, but it is like only some tiny portion of what anarchists do. I don't know. I don't know why I'm going on that rant. <laughs> but I mean, in a way, I, I think what like when people go, oh, anarchists, you know, I wear black black. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I wear a black mask constantly every day now because <laughs> um, the whole time since the pandemic's been going on, it's like, how do we be collectively caring as we wear masks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which is what the point of the masks were in the first place, mm-hmm. which is like a black block was a way to take care of each other in moments when the police and the state are trying to target you. Yeah. And all sorts of social movements around the world have masked their face to protect each other in moments of danger from the structures that are trying to kill us um, and do kill us. So I think that's what gets lost is like that it's just black block is one tactic, you know, wearing masks for a variety of reasons in a pandemic is not, is the similar tactic. And the underlying, again, that ethic below it is, um, you know, you just have to push a little bit out with anarchism. It's about, we try generally a lot harder to try to balance like how can we have social relationships structure around taking care of each other when there's like profound moments of profound mm-hmm. abandonment and so like a lot of people coming into anarchism right now um a lot of the younger folks that i've met lately and that's why i think multi-generational spaces are important this is a caveat is like it's not because oh the older you get the more you know it's like no if we're in multi-generational spaces we all you in all sorts of different directions learn from each other because I don't know what it's like to be 12 right now, but if I hear a 12 year old tell me their experience, I'll better understand the world and better understand how they understand, you know, it's like we need each other in these multi-generational spaces. So I've been like folks that have been coming into anarchism in the last couple of years, it's either, you know, been because of the George Floyd uprising in North America context, at least, um, George Floyd uprising or mutual aid projects and solidarity, you know, disaster re- relief projects that are, kind of structured in anarchistic ways and and yeah so that there's just a different like what values do people come in at anarchism at different moments to understand and so you know i i think um if people at these moments are there in person versus on you know twitter or social media which sadly more and more has been come um you know mm-hmm. this time period, a default um which is another way you know, sure, people find anarchism, but I still don't really think that's anarchism. You know, it's, it's like a, a flat version because you have to practice it in ways, in embodied ways, face-to-face makes a big difference. But oftentimes when people in their spaces, they realize, wow, there's lots of anarchists here and they don't even like tell me they're anarchists, but I can kind of, if you're, you kind of look around and start asking people, you know, get to know them or start asking them, people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of been doing this for a long time, but you know, I can't run as much now. So like, yeah, I'm like, I, I cook food and I bring that, or I'm, you know, a legal observer or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm what, you know, I'm, I can move fast, but I don't want to run right now. So I'm a medic or, you know, yeah. all, these, all, yeah. these different, all these different roles is like, oftentimes I, I kind of like think of anarchism now too, is like, we're not huge in number oftentimes, but we're so damned dedicated to being this like infrastructure of self-organized 
you know, mutual aid and care and solidarity and life making that we're almost always like there at all sorts of these pivotal moments to be like, hey, we don't have to, you know, control or tell everybody how to do mutual aid. But if people have questions about it, we kind of know how to do it. You know, we can kind of like offer some advice or we can show you how some like, you know, decentralized yet federated structures worked in the past. And you know, often if you look around, there actually is sort of multi-generational anarchism. But sadly, sadly, I think especially in, in the US context, you know, I, I really, really encourage you, you know, this is another caveat, is like anarchism is this profound, profound, difficult duty. And I really think of it as a duty and it's hard, really hard the longer you stay an anarchist um, to continually make the spaces you want, even if it's difficult and it gets more and more difficult over time. So, you know, I'm really committed to making all sorts of different kinds of spaces where we experience what it feels like to be the people we want to be for in a, in a space we want. And that doesn't always end up looking pretty or great sometimes, mm -hmm. but often it's pretty magical. But part of that commitment is bringing together, you know, different genders and different cultures and different skin colors and different bodies of all sorts and different ages and being really committed as an anarchist, the older I get to not being like, yeah, oh, I've been there before. It's really boring. I don't want to go to that thing. <laughs> to hear you know, I don't want to be around young people, blah, blah, blah. It, yeah, sure. You know, but I get so tired of, oh, not this thing again. <laughs> you know, can we learn at least make better mistakes? Oh, That's God. Be the goal of an anarchist. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I'm also really committed to that, like, creating and being in multi-generational spaces. And when I'm in those spaces, myself and others encouraging us to all listen to each other and all tell our stories and all be curious and not think we know it, you know? And like that to me is part of an anarchist practice. Maybe that's why I say inspiring always, you know, is like, how do we create those spaces where, yeah, where we, we, we see that anarchism isn't the stereotype and mm -hmm. we, yeah, I to go back to like Murray. I was like, when I first met him, he's like so, so well-read. Like he never went to, I think, barely graduated. I mean, he was like a radical when he was like a baby, practically. And so, you know, he was like never had a childhood. And so, but, you know, he moved from like sort of Marxism into anarchism. And then he was just super, super, super well-read. And for the first year he was like, just, you know, for never asked for anything, just would like spend hours and hours teaching, engaging in conversation. The first year I go, oh, there's, I, his ideas are just so big and so expansive and brings into so much beautiful things from all sorts of different historical movements and philosophies and tendencies and logics that you should think of it, you know, are dangerous, like fascism and all these other things. But I was like, I know there's things that don't sit with me right, but I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could feel my brain like stretching in these beautiful growth ways, but I couldn't figure out how to argue with him, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like argue in the sense of like, not angrily, like uh, wrestle with ideas right. with him. And even, and I thought, oh, there's things I don't think I agree with in points, but I don't know how to articulate it yet. And I was like, I have to just let my brain keep expanding and keep, you know, and he kept saying, I want you to learn to think for yourself. That's why I'm like, you know, all these ideas, all these different tendencies. And then at one point I was like, hey, whoa. And then I like, you know, and then you reach this point where we could have these, we became good friends and I could wrestle together with him with things I agreed with or disagreed with or, you know, or things we both didn't know the answer to, which is even more interesting. Mm. And, and how do you, how do we create spaces, anarchists that allow 
for I feel like that was such a gift, you know, to allow for that um, that growth and to allow for us to see that there's so many different ways of doing things in the world, and we have to give ourselves the patience and the time and the space with each other to do that. And otherwise, it's just going to remain. I mean, there's lots of reasons, but you know, I don't want anarchism just to be a you know, 18 year olds who stay anarchists for two years. And then it's, you know, it has to be grounded in so much. Yeah. Yeah. More reasons to stay an anarchist. <laughs> well, that I kind of all over the place there. But. That does tie well into the, the next question that I have, which is uh, the title of your book is Try Anarchism for Life seems to be addressing that sort of thing. Do you want to talk about your new book? Um. Yeah. I mean, I, it kind of came out of, I used to hate hashtags. I used to hate social media. <laughs> or I still, I still do. But anyway, uh, I used to, I was like, because I really am like, how can we boil down our ideas to two words or three words in a hashtag? Mm. But anyway, I started using trianarchism for life at one point, but I was like, oh, how do I fill that out? Because I guess for me, it was kind of this playful hashtag. But then I really meant like, anarchism has to be something once you embrace it, that you, you want to act anarchistically for the whole of your life. And I don't understand how you can't once you embrace it, because I don't understand, although I've known plenty of people who have, you know, but how once your eyes have widened to see hierarchy and domination, you can kind of go, what? Whoa, wait, I don't believe that anymore. I just don't understand mm -hmm. that. But once, you know, once you, you're sort of like in anarchism and anarchistic, how, how do you do that for the whole of your life, mm -hmm. but in service of life? So that, it's kind of a, a, like puns play on or play word plays like trying anarchism for the whole of your life and for the life of all the ancestors that came before you and the life of those that will come after you, but also in service of life and that it's trying because we're never actually, we're going to all have to keep experimenting. So yeah. So I, whatever, I kept playing with that and writing little, little things about it on, I like to do sort of picture pros on Instagram. And then I don't know, last winter, especially this time period has been incredibly bleak and traumatizing and horrifying and depressing. And um, I'm not making light of it. Actually, it's been a hellish, hellish, a uh, lot of hellish time periods in history, but there are some that are particularly, yeah, horrific. And this is one mm -hmm. of them. Fascism, ecocide, you know, collapse of all sorts of any kinds of supports. Yeah, it's a really horrific time period. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't know last year especially last winter i was like what if i wrote little prose that really kind of tried to figure out to kind of answer the thought experiment what are some of the many beautiful dimensions of anarchism and it came about i talk about this in a little prologue to the book but it came out by me posting on things on instagram originally i don't even know when i started doing that with the sort of trying anarchism for life but i take a lot of pictures of uh, graffiti and street art and write little stories about some I have thousands. I have not yet written stories about <laughs> my phone camera, but uh, but I started just thinking, why is it that we like mostly? You see a lot of spray painted circle A's, but they're kind of haphazard and just what does it say when someone just a random person looks at a circle A? They might not know what it is, or they might think, oh, those anarchist things, people that break windows or black, mm -hmm. you know, like it's this. We're not again doing justice to the beauty of the beauty of anarchism with circle A's, even though I love to see circle A's everywhere. So then I, on Instagram, I was like, hey, who could, who, what artist friends of mine can draw circle A's that like embody within the drawing, the values and the beauty they find in anarchism. And yeah, I was so struck by how hard it was for so many folks would kept sharing things with me. And a lot of them were just things being set on fire, which is great, you know, prison, <laughs> you know, 
police cars, fine, you know. Um, but uh, you know, hey, we can maybe use those cars and buildings later. Maybe you know, the point is to to tear down that world. Who cares? You know, what would we put in the place of those mm-hmm. things? And so, but then people started drawing them, and I started going, okay, I'll do a little book of these things just for fun. And so this book is twenty. I don't know, four, 26 of these little stories. They're all very short and compact. They're kind of playful, poetic, lots of sort of puns. There's, they're kind of poignant in places, but they're very compact. I like, I like, how can I say a lot in a small space? So I hope you look, there's a lot of little things in there that if, whether you already know about anarchism or you don't, that kind of are gesturing toward a bunch of wider things, but I love that form. And I used 26 of the different drawings that people started creating all over the place. Um, and uh, since then, a lot of artists have been creating a lot more. So it feels really exciting to see a lot more beautiful circles out in the world. And yeah, I want it to inspire people to, you know, I really think part of, you know, we as anarchists were like, oh, this is this cool little club and we know how great it is. Well, you know, eh, we're just going to do circle, you know, scrawl circles, but we're not going to shake. No, I don't know. I've been accused of being a friendly welcoming anarchists and I think that's a, a good thing <laughs> you know so um <laughs> this book is is also like I also want people to act more anarchistically and I don't want it for I want it because seriously this world if we don't do that we are it really is a choice between anarchism fascism or ecocide mm. and so I hope this book contributes in a small way to encouraging all of you who read it or even think about it <laughs> any of the circle A's in it to think about how you can portray the beauty of anarchism more and more through your life, through your practices, through modeling it, through the projects you do, through the art you do, so that other people can find it and embrace it. Because sometimes it's really damn hard to find anarchism and it shouldn't be, or to find that beauty and it shouldn't be, you know? And in this moment we need it. And I don't know, I was really struck last winter, which was, you know, absurdly bleak. And mm. I started writing these prose and was, you know, feeling so crappy before I was doing it. And then the more I just was like, I'm just going to get obsessed and writing these. That's all I'm going to do right now because the world's going to hell. I'll just, I could focus on this for the next couple of months. A good strategy. And, and I was like, it was like this good medicine for my brain. Like the more I just was like, just focus on what's beautiful in anarchism and try to write about some of the little practices and not pie in the sky. Some of them are playful and fanciful, but most of them are things we really do. You know? So the more I did it, the more I was like, whoa, Wow, I start my brain started remembering that it's not just all fascism and ecocide and tragedy and depression and despair and death. I like remember that that tension that you know there is always trauma and joy, there is sorrow and joy. There is we're never wholly in collapse or just, mm-hmm. you know, we're never wholly in disaster. We have, yeah. And so I don't know. I think even on that level, for us to really stretch our brains to to think about and practice that beauty you know i i don't know i've, I've done different like hospice care and other forms of care around uh, death and grief and you know people think oh this is so hard to deal with death and and i don't know something about like being really open to these moments when people are experiencing most like, sort of profound transitions in life you know going from this life to whatever after you believe happens um it's a pretty profound, intimate moment. It only happens once in your life mm-hmm. for each of us. Mm-hmm. And to, to accompany someone through that, wow, it's, I think the, the sort of, you know, if we're able to do those things well, to take care of each other well, to that really intimate moments of grief and, and, and or dying and, and death is 
is we find out all the beauty, you know, people, that people like, oh my God, I should have been living my life. I should have been telling people I love them. I should have been telling people I don't love them. You know, like people become genuine and like actually strive. Oftentimes people become, not everybody, but a lot of people, like it calls into question your mortality and you try to be suddenly like recommit to life, which a lot of, you know, people I've heard say during the pandemic too, this is just telling me what's important in life, you know? Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't, the world is in hospice right now, you know? And we don't know if there's going to be a future in the next 10 years or what human if humans as a species will survive this time period you know but we do know we can treat each other as good as possible and alleviate as much suffering as we can and make every moment until that last moment as beautiful as it can be which is what hospices in the best of scenarios goal is hmm. is to alleviate unnecessary suffering and to accentuate as much beauty and collective care as you can and so i don't know i'm not it i i hope this book says please you know all of us can't give up too many of us have lost friends to them killing themselves or taking too many substances intentionally or unintentionally or depression you know or all sorts of other reasons and you know that's that's there that's real right and i want more of us to to be here you know and so how can we be there to help alleviate as much suffering as we can and accentuate forms of collective care even if we only think we have another six months or 10 years or whatever it is we have and not give up, right? Not give up. Cause that's, we might, you know, I don't know, to me as an anarchist, that's always like, I don't know how they always stay an anarchist, but you know, that's like a, a <laughs> question we could talk about. Mm -hmm. But part of it is just this belief is like, I don't know what else I would like. This is what I want to the, to my last breath is to try really hard to be encircled by, solidarity and care and love and you know in ways that we do it non-hierarchically you know in ways that we do it together and that's all one sort of can ask for but one also can try to do hmm. long-winded long version of why are you doing this book no, but also good. I guess the, the last thing i want to say or not the last thing because i could say many things is i'm so grateful to all the 26 people who do these incredible, beautiful circle A's and the many other people sent me ones that I didn't include because I was like, I can only write so many pieces all that <laughs> and stuff. And um, but and they've all been really generous with the circle A's and they're all of them seem great about people using them for all sorts of things. And again, anarchists were like, cool, take it and turn it into a t-shirt or a stencil or spray painted or make a poster. And same with my words. I really love that we gift those things to each other. But I also really want to thank you too and your whole collective with strangers in a tangled wilderness. You've also just really embodied like anarchistic values and how like we've collaborated and you've treated me and the whole process. It's been like, you know, learning together, and <laughs> experimenting together. It's been like a really beautiful experience. So for me, books aren't this like thing, this commodity, which unfortunately we have to charge for because capitalism, you know, someday mm -hmm. hopefully we won't have to. That's the irony, you know, like, you know, not irony, just the sorrow, right? Yeah. You know, we can't do the things we love as anarchists completely in ways we would want to, but we can do them as much as we can in the ways we want to. And so everything about this book, for me, books are, I do them as labors of love. The funds go, are going back to you all to support your publishing project. But I, I, for me, it's the process of them that's anarchistic. Like how do we, how do we think through doing them? Why are we doing them? Who are we doing them with and for, and how do we treat each other while we're doing them? And once it's out in the world, how do others use it? And how do we engage with it, right? Mm -hmm. I put books out in the world not to be a commodity and sit on someone's shelf or whatever. I do it because I want people to, to think and engage and transform the world. <laughs> you know, So it's part of my way of inspiring and intervening in that, well, trying to push pre 
prefigurative politics, which is always my underlying agenda. Come on, we can do this. <laughs> so, well, I like it yeah. that you picked 26 because in my mind, it's an alphabet book. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, A, 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 There's an olive in there. I didn't even thought of that. Oh, that's true. One olive. Yeah. There's an olive is that is the first letter in many different Jewish alphabets and probably other alphabets too. And so there's a circle olive in there. So you have to get the book and read the story. Yeah. And my my plug for it is that I think it was a perfect first book for our collective to tackle and I'm just so grateful that you came to us and that this all worked out and that but what is it release today's release day I just realized we're recording this on release day is that is that true that's true yeah, but people might not be listening for a couple months we don't know well, yet <laughs> yeah but now they know we're recording this on November 15th <laughs> um, but I really appreciate that it's um it's like an intro to anarchism in practice I think that theory can be really intimidating for people, um, but I, I just find your work immensely approachable. And I think that's something that'll be really beneficial to people. Yeah, I hope so. I also hope, I feel like I've, I've sent around out of different folks to read it. I've also who are longtime anarchists and I don't know. I also, they're like, oh, I, I also really hope that it lends like, you know, love and solidarity to people who've been anarchists for a long time or just reminds them of why they're anarchists mm-hmm. or think through different things, you know? Yeah. So I hope it's accessible for folks that don't know about anarchism, which I think mm-hmm. it is. And also just like a gift to people who already are, because we also have to keep each other anarchists for life because yep. you can't do that alone. You have to keep reminding each other. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just, you know, <laughs> totally. yeah. Yeah. So, well, but anyway, you know, th- I'm really, really grateful to Strangers in the Tangle Wilderness Collective. So if folks listening to this have not checked out their website and their growing list of <laughs> projects, they don't just do books, they do all sorts of wacky things. And like podcasts, podcast like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Can't see that. Bank goods, I don't know. No, anyway, <laughs> check them out. Oh. Your one-stop shop. No, well, is there is there any last word on on what is anarchism or anything like that, that anyone wants to touch on? I mean, I feel like we could talk about it forever, but I also feel good about what we've talked about today. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Margaret? What do you think? Anything else you want to, uh, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'll try some anarchism. Uh, <laughs> Will you try it for life? I, so far so good. I've been an anarchist more than half my life and nothing is really shaken that which is funny because i go through these yeah. intentional kind of crises of faith with anarchism every now and then where i'm like wait really and i kind of try and like break down the whole thing and like come to a new conclusion and the conclusion i keep coming to i do this every couple of years um usually because someone in the anarchist scene annoys me so much that i'm like how am i in the same movement as that person and then i like go through and i'm like <laughs> oh because i hate the state and capitalism <laughs> and like white supremacy and you know uh, all that stuff. And so then I like come back to it again. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm willing at this point, I'm pretty sure I'm willing to try it for life. I mean, who knows? I'm not, you know, maybe. It's very anarchistic of you to interrogate your anarchism. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Which we, which, which we actually feel like we need to, I feel like that's mm-hmm. a, a profound anarchist value. Like, I don't know. I feel like one reason I've stayed an anarchist for a long time is often because of that, like whether it's personal, I really felt that when we like going through stuff, like I hate all anarchists, but I'm still an anarchist. I don't like, okay, you know, with mm-hmm. a dissonance, I have to 
figure out how to, how to keep going yeah. in those moments. And, but I don't know, like, I think that's a real value. Some of the, my favorite like projects and collectives is like, Oh, we have to every six months stop and actually reevaluate if this project makes sense anymore. If we, you know, and then end it well when it doesn't, that was some of my favorite things. Yeah. Like continually reevaluate and, and reassess, but yeah. I don't know. How do you stay? I look here. How do you think you stayed an anarchist for like, like as long as you have so far? Cause I think that's really, a ch- it is a challenge when society, everything in the world, it's like right now wearing an N95 or candy, a 95 mask, which I hope most people are doing mm-hmm. <laughs> or everyone is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you walk into spaces and you can literally be the only one for days on end in public places. And, you know, it's, uh, a good exercise in building up ones. Yeah. How do you do things when the whole of society reflects back to you that you shouldn't be doing that? You know, and you're like, no, I know this is right. I know this is the ethical thing to do. I know this is the kind of practice I want. Honestly, yeah, the, to me, that's like, go ahead, Cassandra. Yeah. Oh, I was just assenting. <laughs> that is oh, okay. difficult. I was thinking about my child, actually, yeah. my kid who's eight and the only one wearing a mask, Wow. Um, which is not related wow. to anarchism, but <laughs> it's hard to be. Yeah. But how different? Yeah, how do we do? But how? Yeah, so how does as anarchists when you know to sign up sort of anarchist for life is to sign up for a lot of like grief and a lot of not seeing the world reflected that you want to see and knowing that there's a far better world. You know that dissonance. I don't know. I always think like you know I, I get depressed a lot and then I'm like, why do I get depressed? It's because of that gap between the world that I want to see and the world that I live in. I know where that depression comes from. It's not a mystery. You know. So. Yeah. So how do you, I was just curious, like either how you stay as the older and older you get is how do you stay an anarchist? Community. I think not being anarcho-individualists. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny because some of my answer is like, kind of like I'm used to being the weird one in the room. Like, you know, like, um, <laughs> like if I walk into a grocery store, the weird thing about me isn't that I'm wearing a mask. The weird thing about me is that I'm a trans girl and I exist, you know? And so yeah. I'm like, the mask is like, yeah, whatever. And then like, in some ways, the anarchism or like, you know, the way that that's like sort of visually expressed for me, because I still sort of, well, I dress subculturally, but that really kind of predates my anarchism. Actually, I was just always a goth kid. But like, I'm sort of used to being the weird one in the room and I'm kind of used to having the ideas that are like a little bit more out there. But honestly, in a lot of ways, I actually feel easier and more comfortable about being an anarchist now than I did when I was younger um, one, because it's it's reflexive for me, right? Like it's, you know, people always say you're going to get, you know, you're going to calm down as you get older, right? And then in some ways I have calmed down, the, but but I've settled into the, uh, the ideological positions that I've hold and they feel more and more concrete to me. Like the idea that capitalism could possibly make sense or that authoritarianism could possibly make sense just completely disagree with everything that I learn and everything that I experience. So I, I don't know. And then also there's just frankly more of us than there were 10 years ago. And the thing that I have more interest in and excitement about is the breaking out of it from subculture. I say this as someone who's subculturally, I'm involved in music subcultures and I'm also sort of subculturally anarchist in terms of that has been like my primary like friend groups and things like that over the past, like maybe 20 years but more and more anarchism is a more mainstream position and that is what gives me hope way more than anything that happens kind of within subcultures uh the fact that increasingly 
Because we've been saying like, hey, here's the stuff that's wrong. And people have been like, I don't know about that. And then all this stuff happens and people are like, oh, I think this is what's wrong. And we have to be over here. We uh-huh. we can't be like political hipsters about it. We can't be like, well, I liked it before it was cool. <laughs> but it, people are, are more and more aware of that. And I'm I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I think that's really true. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I before the pandemic, I spent it like not as much time as I wanted to. I wanted to spend more time, but who knows? If I ever will. But uh, in 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 Greece, or I spent a lot of time in in Montreal and those places. There's like large multi generational, incredibly multi generational. You know, like kids to ninety year olds, um, actively engage in anarchism. You know, and it's it is like a public thing. Like people, it isn't something like people are scared to say oftentimes, or that. You know, it just feels like it's a, you know, anarchism is part of the, the yeah, the ecosystem, you know, and the antagonisms are, are at least clear, you know, but um, um, the social antagonism yeah. between, you know, mm-hmm. fascists or police or things like that. But I don't know, spaces, I always feel, it feels so different. Like it's maybe that's what one thing that keeps me is like, like, wow, this is possible to sustain this and to build this and to grow it and to see it widen out beyond anarchist milieus to be something that, you know, people like consider in, 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 you know, engaging in, in their life, whether they become anarchists or not, you know, they'll engage in solidaristic practices, yeah. even if they would only become anarchists because they're like, Oh, the anarchists have been doing this really well. Um, yeah. I was just thinking like some of the things we were talking sort of the, like the, instead of my grumpy, like, Oh, it's really hard to stay an anarchist because it also mm-hmm. is, it is mm-hmm. it's hard to stay an anarchist longer. It just feels, yeah. Yeah. You don't, you know, dispiriting in a lot of ways, but I don't know. I just also feel like, it's beautiful because you just, the world becomes more and more, I like less and less binary and more and more nuanced mm-hmm. and open and beautiful. And like, I was thinking about like things, you know, I just more and more things come into my like framework and anarchism just has seemed to become so much more like, you know, I don't think it's become more, it has become more feminist and queer and trans. It needs to become more in a way still, yeah. but I, that's because a lot of us have put a lot of hard work into making it. So it's become more aware of like, you know, race and colonialism and spirituality and a whole bunch of other things, because a lot of us have said, Hey, these are parts that anarchism needs to sustain itself for a long time. And it feels really beautiful to have more brought into anarchism to make it possible to bring the whole of ourselves into anarchism and not have to choose between, you know, being a queer and an anarchist or being, you know, Mm-hmm. having some sort of spirituality and being an anarchist, even if I don't believe in God, you know, all these <laughs> other things. Yeah. But, but I also thinking, I was just thinking when you're talking, it's like funny. It's like not funny. Maybe that's the wrong word in this odd way. It feels like the longer I'm an anarchist, the more kind of, I mean, it feels kind of intense because, you know, years ago, I'm like, wait, fascism is coming. And you kind of feel like you're screaming at nobody's listening, you know? And then, but I don't know. It also feels grounding to not be surprised by yeah. what's happening in the world and to be able to be calm about it and say, Hey, no, we kind of, you know, we've been thinking about this for a while. Hey, we already we have accounted cool for that. Place, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I think it's really calming and grounding to not, not like there's many other emotions we might have, but we're not necessarily surprised that everything has fallen apart. You know, we're like, Hey, we already knew that we've already been like engaging in all sorts of like imaginative, creative, solidaristic, mutually responsible projects and practices and yeah i don't know that keeps me going as an anarchist in this weird way that kind of grounding mm-hmm. you know so yeah i don't know i really appreciate it. i just hope folks listening to like really try to think of all the different practices that can keep you there for you know the whole of your lives in whatever ways that is because yeah i just i don't know i i 
I can't, none of us can fix things, but we can be there to support each other through things. And I really want to give a shout out to the last couple few years during the pandemic, growing giant, bigger and bigger circles of queer trans um, and Jewish anarchist circles that I feel really grateful to be part of. And those circles have like long, long time, you know, and, and people who are diasporic, I'm going to widen that circle. <laughs> people who are diasporic have long, long, long practices of how you get through moments of fascism or, you know, aloneness or um, of loss or life transitions or, you know, which anarchism by itself doesn't necessarily have and needs to more. Um, and so I don't know. I just feel like the more we bring, we expand the ecosystem of anarchism and bring in more of the whole of ourselves, we'll have all these different kind of things we can draw on to help us get through things, you know? And so, yeah, yeah that's, and, and actually, yeah. So anyway, just want to, my pitch to like, we all need to be there for each other. So I want to <laughs> like end on, Cassandra's thing is like community, 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 community. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that does seem like a good note to end it on. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming. And if people want to check out your work on social media, what are your social media handles? Ooh, I love using Instagram, although, yeah, sure. I don't like the ownership. And I just started an experiment with Mastodon. Mm -hmm. We'll see. <laughs> so, and I'm pretty easy to find in other ways. So, and I love when people get in touch. I think oh. you're, are you CB Milstein? Is that right? Yeah. On both? Yeah. I think I'm CB Milstein. Okay. Yeah. At, and I'm also have a blog that I sometimes use. I think it's CB Milstein at WordPress. Cool. But. Cool. And you can find Try Anarchism for Life through AK Press and on the Strangers site. Yay. Woo. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can support it by telling people about it, tell people about it in person, ideally, but also mess with the algorithms that run the world by rating and reviewing. And it's not really messing, it's really playing into their systems, but it still allows this kind of content to get put in front of more people's eyes. Um, so, and you can also support this podcast by supporting us directly or rather supporting the publisher, which is Strangers in the Tangled Wilderness, which you've heard a bit about during this episode. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangers in the Tangled Wilderness. We send out a monthly zine. We also have another podcast called Strangers in the Tangled Wilderness that includes the content from that monthly zine that is available to all people. And in particular, we would like to thank Hoss the Dog, Micaiah, Chris, Sam, Kirk, Eleanor, Jennifer, Starro, Cat J, Chelsea, Dana, David, Nicole, Mickey, Paige, SJ, Sean, Hunter, Theo, Boise Mutual Aid, Milica, and Papa Runa. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone for listening. And I hope you all are doing as well as you can with everything that's happening. <laughs>